to go <laughs> i know well that's part of why we've got her back on for the second time right uh, in fact we might be uh teeing up having her as a guest uh, again in another uh 10 or 20 episodes because she really is uh someone who's just uh, you know she's living everything that we talked about when you know we explore all these various facets of leadership that i think you and i are so passionate about and she's so articulate uh, she's got um, tangible action plans for hooking in these ideas. Uh, so she's a great teacher, and it's always just exciting talking with her. She's such an authentic person. Yeah, no, we we did everything from our leaders born or made to, you know, belonging. Um, you know, I, I don't want to ruin that for anybody. You know, we, we talked about belonging and, uh, you know, self-awareness. We just kind of went up and down the gambit, and I think it's a, a going to be a pretty interesting conversation for our listeners. And we kicked it off really starting about the distinctions between leadership and management that, you know, you and I have talked about in numerous episodes now, but it's always great. She's so articulate uh, that, you know, she, she really helps, uh, I think, frame um, a very coherent perspective on, uh, on, on what are, you know, those characteristics. And she even turned the tables on us and put it right back in our laps for us to find for. <laughs> I know. We we almost got interviewed on our own episode, on our own podcast. But uh, like I said, she she's awesome. And I think that's a great lead in for our guests to, um, you know, listen. And if you haven't listened to episode eight of our episode, you, you don't necessarily need to listen to that one first before you listen to this one. Um, you can listen to one in either order, but I would recommend going back and listen to episode eight. You'll get more of a background of who Roxanne is and where she came from. That's great. Take it away. All right, that enjoy. Thanks for joining us for another edition of lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Nick Lozano in Washington, DC. And today we are joined once again with Roxanne Kaufman Elliott uh, from Pro Laureate, who is a, uh, a uh, certified master at the Leadership Challenge as well. And Roxanne, I think you may have the distinct honor of being our first guest to rejoin us uh, on an episode <laughs> of the show. That is a huge she honor. Right episode 22. Wow. <laughs> I, two, twos are my number. I love this. So 20th episode, second time, first one. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> Great fun. Well, we're honored to have you and you're just so much fun to talk with and, you know, you've got uh, such great insight and, and, you know, I feel like uh, getting through the first episode was hardly scratching the surface with where we could have taken things with you. Um, So it's a delight to have you back on the program. Thanks a million. Glad to be here. So, um, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit, um, I know we've, we've shared this before, but for the benefit of folks who may be listening in for the first time uh, and learning a little bit about who you are, why don't you just give us a, a quick background on mm-hmm. how you got into leadership and uh, tell us a little bit about your book and uh, a little bit about Pearl Laureate, if you would, please. Oh, I'd love to. Thanks, Brian. Um, I promise to be brief this time. <laughs> you can go back and listen to the first one if you want all the details, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So um, in a nutshell, I've had three very distinctive careers, and this is the third one, being an entrepreneur and having my own business since 2005. When I was in college and right out of college, I was actually in the performing arts. So um, I did. I worked in nonprofits for a number of years, both in front of the curtain and behind the curtain. So that was great fun. And then uh, actually stepped over into for-profit work and went to work uh, for a corporation in, of all things, the construction industry. So why does a girl out of the performing arts <laughs> um, go work for a construction company? Because they were cool. Uh, it was a small company. They had um, wonderful capacity and potential for success, a great team. And I was there for 13 years. I was the only woman or the first woman that was hired into the firm with all the guys, my brothers at the time. 
and we grew the firm um, around sixfold in as many years. We were very ran we we ran it out. It was wonderful. Uh, had a blast doing it. Learned a lot, but we grew the company very quickly, uh, and then we were bought out by a much larger global firm. And for me, that changed the game. It was just, and it was really the beginning of what I began to understand. It was the beginning of my understanding of what my leadership journey had been up until that point, how it was completely changing, and how I needed to think about that going forward. So this was a pivotal moment, not just in my career, but in my life. Everything I had known up until that point was going away. And I knew because of the circumstances surrounding the way that the buyout, the merger and acquisition was taking place, that I didn't want to be an employee anymore. I decided at this point I was pretty, pretty um, unemployable. (laughs) 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 Just from what I had learned and, and what I knew about myself at that time. So I gave it a lot of thought. And this has a lot to do. What I did the first year after leaving the corporation um, is what it is part of the leadership process that I practice now and share with others, and that you really have to go through a discovery process of self. I didn't really know I was doing that, but I was. It was kind of an informal process just to ask myself questions. All right, girl, where have you been? Where are you now? And where do you want to go? And what does that really look like? How is that different? Is there anything the same about that? And why, what makes you want to do this? So what I learned in that process was what my greatest talents and gifts are. And we all have them. This has nothing to do with our egos. This has to do with our innate talents and uh, beginning to discover those, uncover those, and then develop them. And I've always had an incredible knack with other humans just to kind of dig in and begin to understand there's an empathy factor here that runs very deep with me, that I, I feel it, I understand it, and I wanted the tools and the knowledge and the expertise to be able to help people to figure out how they could become their best selves, how they could help their organizations to do the same thing. So I had a lot of business background and experience, and it developed a lot of expertise, both profit and nonprofit. And then I completely reinvented myself. I took tons of classes. I spent tons of money I didn't have (laughs) (laughs) to gain some certifications and credibility and and went out and started finding people who had an interest in development of self and of organizations, and it took off from there. So that's what I've been doing ever since. I started ProLaureate, which translates, pardon me, into professional champions. It comes from the word laureate, the laurel leaves that we crown our champions with because I believe in creating champions and helping them to emerge into their best. So I have learned over the years uh, that it's a great name and everybody loves it. Most people can't say it. They have no (laughs) idea what it means. So right now, and this is news to you guys, because I haven't even had a chance to share it yet. I'm in the process of rebranding. And all of my clients, when I did a survey of my clients that I've worked for all of the years, and I say, you know, Guys and gals, when you think about me and the work that we do together, what is what is my company name? Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, the big mistake here. What should it be? And they said, Roxanne, we only know you as leadership. So the new company, the new moniker for the company is Roxanne Leadership. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Emerges hey. a champion. Well, you know, I like that lead.exe gets some street cred here with some breaking news. So uh, thanks for for sharing it here first. And this is the first public announcement of that. So you're (laughs) right. It is breaking news. Yeah. There we go. Very nice. We like that. Awesome. So thanks for that uh, rundown of, uh, you know, your, your experience and how you kind of got where you were. And I just want to let our listeners know that it was episode eight. Um, that you were first on. So if they want to go back and dive a little more deeper into your background, you know, episode eight, the language of leadership is what you're going to want to listen to. Um, But that kind of brings me to my first question. Um, You know, we always hear leadership and management um, and people always think that leadership means you have a title, right? 
senior vice president of fun and games or, or people person, <laughs> chief people person, you know, whatever crazy title we can come up with right. where, it's, where it has like a CEO executive name. So what's the difference between leadership and management? A lot of people kind of think it's always the same thing. You know, it's true. Um, most, most organizations and most people do use those terms uh, interchangeably. And when they begin to discover that there's really a very, very big difference between the two, although they coexist, they begin to get very, very focused on success factors within their organization that really help them to drive toward the accomplishment of their goals. And let me explain what I mean by that. So, well, let me ask, let me ask you, Nick and Brian, I'll get you involved. Let's get some of your input on this. <laughs> To you, when I say the word leadership, and it is overused and it's misused, I mean, it's used for everything. But when you say that, when you hear that, leadership, what are the words that come to mind for you? What do you think of? Oh, I can take that one. For, for me, it's relationship building, right? Awesome. It's not really, because uh, you could be a leader and not necessarily actually be the person in charge of anybody. Mm-hmm. You could be leading up helping making your, your management team look good. Right. So yeah. I always think of leadership as relationship building, right. I you know, that. that's, that's, that's for me. What about you, Brian? I think in terms of setting direction and uh, to your point, Nick, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the one uh, who's at the front of the pack. Right. But um, being able to have that directional intent and, setting the vision and, you know, bringing along the entire team so that uh, everyone is moving in the same way. Right. And, um, yeah. and, and that there's um, sort of a cohesive intent that everyone can understand through the way that you're interacting and sharing that vision. Both of you are dead on. You're absolutely right. And just think about what, what you both said. You had a whole lot of left brain things going in there in terms of being able to guide, being able to lead, being having people follow you because, because you have a path and you know what you're doing. But even equally as powerful is the right brain, and that's the, the intuitive part of leadership, is reading people, communicating with people hearing, listening, feeling what they're feeling and being able to tap into that so that so that you can find the intersections between where you want to go, where they want to go and how you can all start pulling that rope together. So leadership, when I ask this question and I ask it of, of every group and individual that I work with, there are words like, like you both just said, words come up, um, visionary, communicator, trust, um, uh, charismatic is a word that comes up, although not as often as you might think. Uh, uh, caring, empathetic. Uh, so you kind of get the these the leadership piece of this is all about this is someone I want to follow. When I think of the people that I've known in my life thus far the, that are the greatest leaders I've ever known, very few of them have a title. Very mm-hmm. few, and it wouldn't matter if they did or if they didn't, because it's not about that. Leadership is not about title. It's not about authority. It's not about uh, what you wear, where you work, what kind of office you have, the car you drive. I never get those when I ask, what is leadership? I, I never have anybody say, it's making $500,000 a year and the title of CEO, right? I never <laughs> hear that. So leadership is not about any of those things. Leadership begins with first understanding who we as an individual are and taking a deep dive into that and being really honest about it. I mean, write it down, look at a list and ask your family and friends and coworkers, what do I really do well? And what don't I do well? You, you mm-hmm. might be surprised by some of the answers, what you think you're communicating all of the times in terms of working with others and bringing people along with you really isn't something you're all that good at. <laughs> so you never know, ask the question. So, Leadership is to guide, is to lead. In order to lead, you you have followers. So mm-hmm. being someone who others are willing to follow. And great leaders, they don't just they aren't just willing to follow you. They're willing to throw themselves in front of the bus over the cliff, you know, whatever, <laughs> to take one for you, right? Management, on the other hand, comes from the Latin word hand or manus, which means hand, M-A-N-U-S, which means hand. It's to do. 
is to get your hands in it and get it done. So when we're when we're creating a strategic plan and we're creating the the areas of focus and we're breaking those down into very specific goals and then we're taking action on those goals and we are helping other people to be accountable to their responsibilities and goals, we're managing ourselves and others. We are managing our business. When we're working on spreadsheets, when we're doing the accounting, when we're doing marketing, planning, and execution, we are managing processes within a structure that supports the vision and the leadership of the organization. So we're doing both at the same time, but it's important to know the difference because managing is not leading. Leading is not managing. But if you can manage people with a depth of leadership, you'll get 10 times the productivity and the results out of that situation. Yeah, I love to hear you say that because, uh, you know, the, the number of managers that I've either interacted with or reported up through or had reporting up through me uh, where those leadership qualities were clearly not present. Um, right. You, you know, you may have, uh, you know, high quality in, you know, kind of as you described the tactical procedural, you know, sorts of activities, um, but there's nothing that goes beyond that. And so in terms of how uh, all those qualities of empathy, where you're actually engaging people, where you're developing talent, where, you know, right. there, there's, there's, there's room to grow beyond what the procedural requires. Right. Um, Absolutely. All, all of those things can become obstacles then, you know, when you've got the wrong type of person uh, managing uh, in that type of role. And leadership can be learned. So you may have a person who, who just doesn't understand um, what leadership is and they've never thought about it or done any development work in their own personal leadership. So they don't even know that this is something they need to be doing. But when, when they start learning about it, when they, it's, it's something you can learn and practice every day. I, I had a, a, a coaching session yesterday with uh, with a leader in one of my my client companies, and she's um, she's overwhelmed right now, as we all are. You know, we all have lots of things. It seems like this is everybody is so busy or abundantly busy, abundantly booked, as we like to say. <laughs> and and she was the same. And she said, Roxanne, I I walked into the office and I had so much on my mind. I had so much client work I needed to focus on. Walked in, was in my office, closed the door. At the end of the day, I walked out. It was ten hours later. And I realized I had never even said hello to the two people who report to me. And she said, I feel terrible. These, these are two incredibly important people who work very hard. And then I found out later they both needed me during the day and were afraid to come through the office door because I was so busy. And that's when we had this conversation about leadership and management. What would it have, ta- what would it have taken for you to spend five minutes? to go out and engage with the two direct reports and lead a little bit while you were managing as well. <laughs> game changer. It's a game changer. <laughs> so it seems like some of what you're talking about is self-awareness, right? Oh, to, huge. to kind of go from being the manager, the tactician to being a leader is some self-awareness, right? Being able to realize that you have some weaknesses and some strengths, and your strengths might even be your biggest weakness as well, too. You know, and that's that's what we're talking about. I think when I hear it's like the self-awareness, right? They're so wrapped in what they're doing currently at the moment of time, they're not able to kind of step back and look at the whole situation of what's actually going on. Um, and, and I like that you bring up that story that, you know, at, at times we have a tendency to just bury ourselves in the work, our work or our phones or something that we're doing and not being aware of the people that we're supposed to be leading. Um, and, and when you brought this up, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here. But no, please. Exactly. Me, when I used to work in the restaurant industry, we somebody told me a long time ago, he goes, walk your shift. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And he's like, well, I mean, I want you to walk around in the morning and talk to your people, have real human interactions with them and get to know them as individuals. Um, not, not fake, like, Hey, how are you doing? How are your kids? He's like, but really get to know one thing about them and have a quick discussion about them. And he's like, do that every day. I want you to walk around, walk your shift and talk to everybody and get to know the people who work for you as human beings. 
And that was probably the greatest advice I'd ever had. And I've just, that has just followed me through my career. And that's where I feel like that person that you're coaching, if I could just reach out to them and tell them that, that piece of advice that I've got um, <laughs> would, would be great. You know, it's that self-awareness and just walk around and walk your shift. But, but I'm sorry. I just, I just had to share that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I'll give you her phone number. <laughs> you can call her next week, Nick. What you're saying is so, so simple. And yet it is so elusive to so many people that they don't under, they don't think about it. So think about, imagine this, that imagine a circle at the bottom of, of a page. You just draw a circle at the bottom of a, of a sheet of paper. And in that circle, write the word self, okay? This is exactly what you're talking about, Nick, is self-awareness. As we become more and more technology-driven, technology-dependent, we are moving away from self-awareness. I will tell you one of the most debilitating and demotivating things you can do is that when someone walks up to you and says, I really would love to have five minutes of your time. I have a real critical situation or I have something important I'd love to get your insight on or whatever. And you go, oh, oh, sure. Let's do that. Go ahead. And you immediately pick up your cell phone. Mm. what it's terrible what are you you have just completely dismissed that human being and everything that they said you've disrespected them totally self-awareness just walk through an airport if you want to see an example of how not (laughs) self-aware we are i do that a lot it just blows my mind so we have this circle at the bottom of the page that says self now draw draw an oval around that so it's thin at the bottom and kind of expands at the top we have another oval coming around that and in that oval write team and partners put another circle in an oval above that one and write organization another one expands around that community and another one expands around that and says world so now you have like this little egg that get grow, grows with these these circles coming out right This is the developmental process of self-leadership. We start with self. If we don't know who we are, if we are not developing, as you were saying, Nick, our own self-awareness, and it's simple. Do make one thing your mantra every day. Walk your shift. Perfect. That's it. That's the mantra. That's perfect. You are now connecting with humans. They will love you, respect you, follow you into the fire because they know you care about them. So when you get a difficult problem, an issue uh, of any kind in your organization, you have that followership. They're going to step up and and have your back, right? You're going to lock arms and walk into that together because you care about each other. It's not Mm -hmm. hard. We just forget. So the first thing you do then as you start the self-development is go to the next concentric circle. My teams, my partners, I need to help them develop themselves. What are they doing to understand? There's a ton of assessments out there. Just go online and look for them. There's color codes. There's personality assessments. Or you can call me. I'll give you names of things you can go out and find. And it's helpful and it's fun because you start learning more about each other. But help those people you work with and that you live with, your family and friends as well, to start digging deep, who am I? What do I excel at? What am I terrible at? Am I am I disrespecting people and not even realizing I'm doing it? Next, we go to our organizations. Again, we're expanding out. We're taking this knowledge, we're paying it forward into our teams, then into our organizations, then into our communities, then into our world. One person does make a difference. That's how it happens, right? When I think about Just think for a moment, all the human beings you have touched individually by you and in just your seven degrees of separation. That's millions of people, guys. We all touch in one way or another. And whatever message we're sending is being carried forward. Roxanne, it's interesting in that process that you just described. In Buddhism, there's a meditation practice called Maitri. And that's exactly what it is. It's starting with the self having gratitude and asking for blessings of peace and abundance, and then extending that out into the family, into your neighborhood, into your community, into your state, into your country, into the planet. 
uh, yeah. into, you know, animal forms even. And, uh, exactly. and, and the idea is to develop that self-awareness exactly as you're talking about. And, and also to recognize that we all share those same common interests, right? We all have dreams. We all have desires. We all crave social acceptance. Uh, we, we all want to um, feel that we are being rewarded for our efforts, you know, all of those things. And right. so as you develop that kind of uh, understanding and empathy, and you do that as a routine practice. I, I, I love how you even used the term mantra, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Create a mantra. And uh, right. I've heard Nick tell the story of walk your shift many times, but uh, now that I've heard you connect it. I'm with sorry, mantra, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's a great one to hear. Stop over apologizing, Nick. Turning into my right. grandfather. <laughs> yeah, stop apologizing, Nick. We don't do that anymore. You know what, Brian? I absolutely love what you are saying. Um, just a, a little bit of a personal share for, for you and all the folks that are that are tuning in. I, I share this too with all the folks that I work with because I found it to be so profoundly um, self, not just self-discovery, but self-actualizing. And we're getting back to your, you know, your your Buddha practices that we follow and and it doesn't it's just what we do every morning every single morning regardless of how busy i am or where i need to be it may be five minutes it may be an hour but i do my self-reflection i have a process that i follow and i go very deep within myself what am i grateful for today what is my mantra going out into the world today what do i want to pass on what is that positive statement that that encouragement that um that one thought or that one deed or that one behavior that will send the message of you got this, you can do this, whatever you're facing right now, you got it. You just don't know you got it. So let, let's, let's get you in a place where you can. So even it just, that's me walking my shift. <laughs> I love it. Well, and it's, it's, it is transformative when you take the time and you make it a conscious practice, uh, particularly to do something just as simple as uh, having gratitude, you know, uh, particularly from a leadership perspective. Absolutely. Um, how often are we buffeted by, you know, negativity, by blame, by, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, attitudes uh, among our workforce, you know, that um, you can carry a heavy load uh, coming home from, you know, an intense day of toxicity um, that tends to surface yes. in the workplace. And, uh, and there has to be some kind of, you know, cleansing process or, you know, protecting process to, uh, to kind of hit reset on yourself. Well, that's absolutely true. And when you start out, you know, as you continue to do this work on yourself, the self-discovery and this, the, the leadership development of self, you get a stronger, a stronger ability to recover more quickly and more completely because you'll still have those days. You're still going to have that flying at you. It comes at you. It comes at all of us every single day. And depending upon what our what our work is or, or how we interact with others, it can be more intense in some situations than for other people. And it's very important that we do develop the mechanisms within ourselves to deal with that or it can send you spiraling. It's tough. Oh, yeah. I totally get that. So self-reflection, quiet. You know, there is such power in silence. <laughs> if we could just learn to be silent, just <laughs> sit in the silence and just be and I know that sounds kind of out there and all of that, but I'll tell you what, I'm the poster child. It works. <laughs> you know, I can think of a few folks who I'd like to put that in their job description, actually. Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> Make it happen, Brian. <laughs> I like your idea of silence. And I always feel like people get stuck in the meditation train, right? And it's not for some people. I understand. Yeah. And I, I like meditation. I've tried it many times for myself at the and do anything I'm, for me. I'm either. just too, too all over the place. I'm, I'm like the squirrel, you know, that looks around. It's like, oh, look at that, look at that. And like five right. seconds later. But I've actually right. found for myself is actually journal, journaling at the end of the day. Yes. Dear diary. No, no, I'm just. Yeah. But like, just free form writing what is in my brain. Um, yeah. Not worrying about format. Not worrying about sentence. Not even worried about if I can even read it later. Um, right. Just doing a complete brain dump. 
um, has actually helped me a lot. I will tell you, um, I know listening, you, you can't see this. I'm just going to show this to Brian and Nick. This is just one page out of my morning journal. If you can see this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So every, every page looks like this. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. This is my morning, my morning thought stuff. And it just comes out and I color code it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I know, it's hardly, it's random, but I'm still color coding it day by day. But I'll tell you what, man, just having that, that quiet time, those moments by yourself to just think that through and actually take it from, from your brain to your hand, to a piece of paper with a writing implement is liberating. <laughs> well, like that, I'd, I'd even recommend to people there's other ways to do it too like i used to do a lot of endurance sports like running or swimming uh -huh. it's a good thing too because you, especially with swimming you can't listen to headphones well maybe there's stuff out there so you can listen to it underwater but it's just one of those things a repetitive motion you had to force yourself to focus on one thing and you just um th those things are helpful too Great. sorry brian i didn't mean to cut you off <laughs> No, I was just going to comment, Nick, that what you described uh, is that's actually the you're the perfect candidate for meditation because everyone is <laughs> in, in the exact same chatterbox uh, inside themselves that you just described. That's why yeah. that's why uh, Buddhists call meditation practice because it yeah. can never be mastered. I feel like I just meditate in different ways. Um, you know, for me, the sit, the sitting still part is like, oh, gotta move, gotta move, gotta move. But um... <laughs> I know a lot of people like that, Nick. You're still doing it, like Brian said. You're just doing it in a different way. Yep, I'm just doing it in different forms, and that's I always try to bring it up to people. There's uh, there's other ways to kind of meditate, or or I would say, you know, it's like when people say like they feel like they're in the zone. That, that yeah. means that you're probably meditating. If you feel like you're in the zone. Your brain is just flushed and, you know, you're, you're just operating, um, you know, without thinking. That's the best place to be. It's cool. I could go on and on about that. You just tripped a trigger in my head about the zone. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just be really brief. We, no, there, go there, for it. Let's, let's, a, let's talk. Let's explore this. Th there's a grid um, that I use. So, and there's an arrow that goes from, so you think about a grid, you know, 90 angle, 90 degree angle grid. And from the, the corner over here to this part is an arrow going up, which is the flow. That's your zone, right? So on the bottom, on the horizontal axis is your um, capacity, your abilities, your talents, your expertise, your strengths. On the, the, the vertical axis is the uh, degree of challenge. Mm -hmm. So think about when, um, if, if, the, if the vertical axis is at zero, the challenge is almost nothing. And you're over here, you know, in, in, your, high, in your highest level of expertise, you're at the bottom of that arrow. That's going to suck you right into the bottom of the arrow. And how does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Bored. Like, <laughs> why am I here? Why are you doing this to me? So the first, so when you get those things moving together so that the challenges are slightly above where your expertise is, you're going in the flow because now you're in the creative juices. And you can see this, even with your meditation, you're still doing that because your challenge, it's the way you think is your area of expertise. It's your area of of uh, capacity and opportunity to grow. So as you're challenging that with higher and higher levels of, wow, what if, asking questions like what if, using improv, which Peter will share with you on Monday, ask or saying instead of no, but, you're going to say yes, and <laughs> it's triggering all different kinds of things in your head. So if you're sitting down in the morning and, and, and you're writing down a specific thing that you want to focus on to accomplish, and you just know you don't have the capacity, you don't have the training, you don't have the knowledge, you don't have any of that, and you're overwhelmed by it, say yes, but what if I did? <laughs> yes, and if I did, sorry. Yes, and I can learn how to do that. Yes, and I can. And suddenly you start moving toward the flow again, where that passion starts igniting and coming up. And you're saying, mm -hmm. what if I could? What if I could make this thing fly? What if I could get it out of here, right? Yeah. So... That's the way that works is you have to challenge just just a little bit above where you are. You don't want to crash and burn. You're going to push the envelope out too far, but you want to keep it just above 
where you are so that you can up this and get in the flow. Love it. Yeah, that reminds me of a, of an NLP technique. That is something that I've I've used a lot of times when I run into obstacles. Exactly as you're saying, Roxanne, it's you, you run into something where it, you've never had to deal with it before. You're uncertain about what's right. the next step that I need to take, and of course, the I think the instinctual reaction is to go into that place of fear, where right away it's a I don't know how to deal with this. I don't I don't know how to face this kind of challenge. And then just as you're saying, what if I did, you know, (laughs) if I did know, how would I, and then all of a sudden that creative mechanism kicks in and it's funny how you start to answer yourself with some creative solutions that uh, uh, you you may never have, you know, come up with if you were just locked into that, um, you know, self-conscious place of fear. Guys, would you even be even be doing this podcast if you didn't have that kind of thinking going on? Would, <laughs> no, would I, I do. I'm sorry, Nick. Go ahead. No, I do crazy stuff all the time. Brian, Brian will tell you. Um, I, a long time ago, I heard of this guy, Alistair Humphreys, um, who rode his bicycle around the world. Um, and he's like, you know, the Scandinavians have this saying called the doorstep mile, right? The hardest part of any journey is just taking those first few That's steps right. out your door and starting your journey. Um, and he's like, you know, riding his bicycle, he's like, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just decided if I didn't start, I was never going to do it. And then later I would have the what ifs um, if I didn't try. You know, you're right. so concerned about the what ifs. What if I can't get across here? What if I have no money? What if I have no money? Um, what if I don't have any support to fix my bike? And then he just turned it around. It's like you, like your yes and. Um, yeah. He's like, well, what if I meet some very cool people? What if I have some great new experiences? Right. I think a lot of times we think about the negative consequences of things um, instead of looking at the bright side of things. You know, you can get by just being an amateur at everything. I'm not a professional radio broadcaster. I mean, I know Brian was, but um, <laughs> you know, we get better as time goes on. I'm sorry. That was just my two cents on that. But No, stop saying you're sorry. Okay, Brian and I are now lighting up all over okay, you. I'm not right. sorry. I'm okay, not you're, sorry. You're going to eliminate those words from your vocabulary. That's your work that's your homework between now and the next time we talk that's my weakness (laughs) (laughs) no no you're absolutely right it's doing that again just a a quick antidote i was um meeting with a a group uh of of another client company and we're doing um cultural leadership development for them we're going company-wide through them gosh i love this when the leaders of an organization understand how important this is they are just digging in so deep creating a foundation of leadership. So we were going back to your yes and, um, because they were saying, well, we just have so much uh, so much angst when we get our teams together. And I said, tell me some of the language they're using. What, what are they saying? So they were going on about, and I said, I'm going to give you one phrase um, that if you can help your folks to say this instead of no but, or we've all, we tried that before and it didn't work, we're not going to do it again or using the words, no, we can't, we've done it before, that's not possible, not no's, don'ts, can'ts, all those things. What if they just said, yes, and let's think about that some more. Huh, maybe we could. What if we could? And they just lit up like Christmas trees and said, oh my gosh, that changes the entire conversation. So we did a little round robin with it, and it just generates questions. So I don't want to steal any more thun- thunder from your guest on Monday because that's his gig, not <laughs> mine. But, but I've learned so much about that. And now I talk about it everywhere I go because it's just um, it's just a game changer. And you have to practice it like, like leadership. You have to practice it and be aware first to practice it in order to get good at it and start changing the game a little bit. I, I like that practice comes back into the conversation. You know, that, yeah. that that leadership is something that, uh, like meditation, is not necessarily about mastery. You never get there. <laughs> Sorry, folks. This isn't something where you arrive one day and cross that threshold, Nick, and go, nirvana. <laughs> doesn't happen. Now I'm a leader. No, no. It doesn't happen that way. It's lifelong. Well, you know, the uh, the idea of um, having, you know, mentors, a variety of mentors, uh, and 
practicing in mentorship yourself. You know, that's also uh, part of uh, what I really value uh, in my own leadership development. You know, the the amount that I can learn from someone that uh, they themselves might not perceive themselves as someone who would be able to, you know, convey some kind of teaching that would be important to someone who's senior to them or someone who's, you know, uh, yeah. older than them or, you know, any, any of these different things that tend to be self-imposed obstacles, you know, in the way that we perceive. Right. Um, you know, I will tell you, you, you've touched on two words in our conversation so far, Brian, that I am incredibly passionate about and because I never had either one and that's mentoring and belonging. Mm-hmm. It's um, these are go find mentors. You got to have a mentor it's, or several mentors for different areas of your life. It's it's so powerful. That's why I am so adamant about being a mentor. Uh, I have my own mentors now for the first time in my life. I never had before. It just was, it, you know, this is not a, a sad thing. It just was the way that mm-hmm. that things uh, unfolded for me. And I wasn't aware that I needed to do that. I was always forging my own path. And boy, it would have been so much easier and faster and better that I had some guidance along the way, but I was too darn stubborn <laughs> and not smart enough. I don't know. But um, I encourage everyone, everyone. And people will will be glad to do that. They're usually quite honored um, to, to be asked to be someone's mentor. And it doesn't have to require a lot of time. It just requires quality time. The the belonging thing, this is coming up a lot now in diversity and inclusion work. I just moderated a a panel for a a women's leadership council that was open to the public and had almost as many men in the room as women, which was thrilling to see because we need to do more of that, right? Um, And it was all about diversity and inclusion and belonging in the workplace. The panel was outstanding. Uh, they were just fabulous people. We had a woman from Bogota, Colombia, who works in a very male-dominated industry around the world. She was awesome. We had um, a very an incredibly successful woman uh, who started a construction firm about 30 years ago and is among the most successful, at least in our region of the country. With that, she was fascinating. And then we had a gentleman who is with one of our largest law firms here in Cleveland, who about a year after he had joined the law firm came out and uh, is now the leader of their diversity and inclusion um, initiative at the law firm. So these are huge strides. And in the audience, everyone had a different story. And you could see every, you see, saw examples of so many people uh, in our world that don't look like us. And it was the coolest thing in the world to hear the stories. And it was really a very intimate and a very personal and a very heartfelt conversation. And it was all about finding our belonging. Human beings mm-hmm. are, are tribe seekers. We, we, want, we need our tribe around us. And, uh, you know, for me growing up, my tribe was my family because we moved around so much. I never really was able to put down roots. I thought everybody lived that way. I didn't know <laughs> that people didn't, you know, weren't traveling around like, like gypsies, like we were, but it's, 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 this is one, this is why I think these are two things that really drive the passion in what I do around leadership, mentorship and belonging, because it's all an integral part of it. It's inherent. You can't separate them. These are things that leadership is all about is helping people to find their belonging first to themselves and then going out through those concentric circles. I actually would love that. I, I don't think I, I recently just got into the belonging thing because I read um, Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness. Oh, she's fantastic. Read um, anything, listen to everything she does. And she, she's outstanding. And, and I don't think I understood the concept behind belonging until I read that book. And then yeah. what stuck out for me is, is a quote there. And I, I had wrote this down. Like every time I read a book and I get a quote, I just write it down. Um, and, you know, she says, true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. Oh, yes. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> yes. And 
and that goes back to to my LinkedIn changing my status to a janitor. Uh, you love that, Nick. My job, and I, I don't know if you read my post to that, but um, you know, go, that goes back to me saying that you know you don't have to be an expert in anything. And when I meet new people, I never start with what I do because that seems to be the the um, thing that people do in the United States mostly. I feel like, right. but um, it's like, oh, you know, nice to meet you, Brian. What do you do? And then I always tell people I'm a janitor, and that goes back to. <laughs> I'm trying to find interesting people who actually want to talk to me and are not looking for me to do something for them. And then instantly I know right away is if they're willing to talk to me and I'm a janitor and I've been a janitor before, that was my first paying job ever. And that just goes back to the whole Brene Brown thing when when I had read that and I was like, you know what, I totally get it. You know, it, and it took me reading that book to finally understand that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did I did see that on your post and I did read it and I was laughing the whole time trying to figure out what can I say that I do. So I think I think I just came upon it. One of my first jobs was a dishwasher in a restaurant. <laughs> I've I'm oddly done that too. Dishwasher and a bus girl. That's what I did. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I was also a bartender for a while. I could, I'm a bartender. <laughs> I love it. You're free to use it. Let let me know what your experience Thank is you. with it. But uh, I find when I do it at, at cocktail parties or networking events, I meet the coolest people. And instantly, you know, eventually you get to what you actually do at some sure. point. Um, and then you find out what they actually do. It's 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 actually a fun exercise, I find. It is. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Well, we use the braving acronym uh, with my son uh, to help him have something concrete so that he can use that, um, you know, really to be able to tie together some of his challenges. You know, he's only in sixth grade, but um, he's right on the cusp of a lot of this shift in self-awareness and becoming a lot more self-conscious. And, you know, how does he trust himself uh, to be authentic when he's interacting with others. And, you know, so, so we sat down, we spelled out the whole braving acronym for him. And um, now that's something that he carries in his backpack with them. And it's, it's something that he can easily refer to. And, you know, it's, it's really become uh, something that's important for him as well. Um, so I love that. Yeah, really kudos for sure. You know, I wonder if, if I might take um, just a moment, and share with you a, a very simple process that I've come up with <clears throat> over the years. It's just something that's evolved to manifest self-development in a very tangible way. And it just boils down to three simple things. Find your inspiration. What inspires you? What makes you, where's your passion? What are you passionate about and why, right? And then allow that to guide you in what you are doing how what do you want to do what do you want to be when you grow up and that's a good statement for any age right <laughs> the older you are the more important that statement is what do you want to be when you grow up and then think about what you're this is what i did when i when i went when i when i learned what my purpose was that i was here to to do this leadership thing um i i went through this is what drives me what am i passionate about what am i doing when i'm absolutely in my flow, in the zone, loving what I'm doing, and just, I don't even have to think about it, it just flows. And I started writing a vision statement around that. What would that look like if I were doing that every day? And I didn't have to do anything else. It also generated revenue for me and for myself, for my family, that it created um, a sphere, a large, ever-expanding, uh, beautiful, uh, culture of tribe, uh, of people, of, of humans far and wide, and making an impact, making a difference. So first thing you do is think about that when you're in the morning doing that or journaling in the evening, whatever it is that you do. Uh, what am I passionate about? If I could do anything in the world, anything, what would that be? That's a fair, that's a fair question. Once you kind of figure that out and you start, just start writing randomly about it. You don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. a word or a phrase or a thing. It's just write it, write, write, think, 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 and you'll figure it out. Listen to music. It helps spur it on. Once you get there, though, and you have an idea around it, and if we had more time, I would share with you that whole vision thing I went through. It was, it was hard. It was pretty brutal, but boy, was it worth it. And then that's all great and good, but that's just going to stay in your head like a cloud. It's not going to manifest itself into anything unless you actually do something. So you need a plan. 
you need to get your head around some strategy if you want to manifest a reality around that. So you have a mission and you say, okay, what if I really created that for myself? What, what would I need to do first? Well, you would need to pick the low-hanging fruit from it and say, what are three or four things I can do right out of the gate to start making that a tangible thing? And you write those down. And then under each one of those things, you say, well, each one of those buckets of things that I just put there needs specific goals. You're going into your right brain, right? Now you're getting real right brain on this. What you're doing is igniting your inspiration. You're igniting it by putting a tangible plan around it. Then you look at those goals and they're aligned to those buckets and they're aligned to the low hanging fruit and they're aligned to that really cool vision and inspiration that you have. And then you say, well, okay, what do I need to do? I need to make some action. So you take each one of those goals and you, and you take your, your planner, whatever that looks like, and you write down the things you're going to do every day to move you closer to accomplishing the goal. And then when you accomplish the goal, woohoo, celebrate. Hey, <laughs> just got that one done. Cross it off the list and move on to the next, right? And then you wash, rinse, repeat. Go back to the beginning and say, okay, what else comes out of this vision? What's the next bucket? What's the next goal? What's the next action step? And you celebrate and you do it in little bits all along the way until you start climbing that big old mountain and you see yourself get closer to it. Now, remember, you never reach nirvana. It's not a place where you arrive and you're done because it keeps moving on you. <laughs> it keeps moving up. The mountain keeps getting a little bit taller and a little bit taller. But here's what you've done. You've just followed a very simple process to do a very deep thing. You have inspired yourself or others. You can do this through a process with others. You can plan a wedding with it. You can plan a vacation with it. You can climb a mountain with it. You can create a career or a business around it. You've, in, you've got your inspiration. You've ignited it with a plan and you've made impact because you're taking action. Just remember those three eyes. It's all it takes to anything. All right. I can't think of a better place to wrap up this episode than with some than with something as tangible as, as what you just yes, gave Roxanne. us and our listeners. So thank I you so, so much, Roxanne. You're welcome. Thank you guys. It's always a joy. You guys are really good at doing this. Please continue doing it. And I send you all my very best and warmest wishes for a most wonderful holiday season. Just enjoy your families and everything that's going on. Thank you. Right back at Same you. Same to you. Thank you. And that means a lot coming from me too. So thank you.